0: Christmas is Saturday. It's a great time to take a fresh look at Christmas, uh, particularly in uh, what Christ's birth represents in the big picture. As the Apostle Paul says of us, us Christians, we are those, quote, on whom the end of the ages has come, end quote. 1 Corinthians ten eleven the end of the ages has come upon us, and the end of the ages has come upon us by the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is a big concept. It's a hard one, but it's worth the time. Theologian Richard Gaffin has developed this point really well in a really good book, his magnum opus, coming out next year, titled In the Fullness of Time, an Introduction to the Biblical Theology of Acts and Paul. There he writes this of of why the Apostle Paul was so amazed that he and us are ones in which the end of the ages has come. Paul, Gaffin writes, is deeply conscious of living in the fullness of time when at last God has sent his Son and when the new creation has already dawned. His vantage point in history is characterized by the fact that he is privileged to be able now to look back on the climactic events of the history of redemption, the birth and death and resurrection of Christ as having occurred. Using a sometimes cited analogy from the Second World War, Paul knows himself to be among those for whom the great D-Day kingdom battle is over, for whom the era of conflict between the kingdom of God and the dominion of Satan is in the past and has been decisively resolved. The redemption of God's people is an accomplished and secure reality." Quote. Get that? D-Day is done. V-Day is yet future in the second coming. Nevertheless, D-Day, that decisive battle, is over. It's won. The kingdom has dawned. In other words, Gaffin writes, quote, God's revelation in his Son, in his incarnate person and work, has a finality that cannot be superseded or surpassed. End quote. That is the significance of the incarnation. The new creation has arrived. The kingdom of God has dawned. The future full arrival of the kingdom and the new creation, V-Day to come, is now inevitable and unstoppable because there is a finality to redemptive history at Christmas. Paul never lost his amazement at this, that something climactic, something decisive, something marking the end of time happened in a dusty manger in Bethlehem. To use the Apostle Paul's very words, quote, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. That first Christmas marked the fullness of time. Or to say it another way, history ended on Christmas. As John Piper explains in this clip from his 1981 Christmas sermon preached 40 years ago, 40 years ago, here's 35-year-old John Piper.
1: The meaning of Christmas was a total blur for some 30 years until the apostles broke through to the insight that, oh! This is the the first half of the final act of redemption, and the second half will only come later. And when they finally saw that, God counted them prepared to interpret Christmas for us, and that's what they did in the New Testament, interpreting the incarnation in view of the second coming. Now, everything they wrote in their interpretation of the Incarnation, has a trademark about it, a very unusual trademark that stamps it as apostolic, the words of the apostles. The trademark is that even though the apostles looked forward to the second appearance of the coming of the Messiah, they nevertheless called the first appearing of the Messiah the end of the ages. History ended at Christmas. That's the trademark of the apostles. They do not treat Christmas as just another bend in the river of redemptive history. With Christmas comes the end, let me show you some examples of where this trademark is found. In 1 Corinthians 10:11, the apostle Paul says that all the events of the Old Testament happened to them as a warning, but they were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages has come. That's Paul speaking 2000 years ago. The end of the ages Has fallen upon us. The Apostle Peter. Do you remember what he said when he stood up on Pentecost. To interpret what was happening in the fall of the Holy Spirit. He said quoting Joel. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days. It shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit. Those were the last days. Again, the Apostle Peter in his first letter wrote in the text that was read earlier in chapter 1, verse 20, that Christ was destined before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest at the end of the times for our sake. Manifest at the end of the times. The appearing of Jesus at Christmas marked the end of the times, or as Paul called it, the end of the ages. One other text from Hebrews 9.26, which is especially important because here the two comings of the Messiah are held side by side. And still the first one is called the end. Hebrews 9.26, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the age. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. So Christ having offered having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Now what this text shows is that even though time had elapsed between Christmas and Christmas and the writing of Hebrews, and he looked forward to another uncertain elapse of time till that second appearing. Nevertheless, he still looked back and said that first coming was the end of the age. That's the trademark of the apostles. That's the way they thought about Christmas. And I think the Holy Spirit preserves that trademark for us because there is a tremendously important truth in it Namely, don't trivialize Christmas into just another great event in the stream of redemptive history. Creation out of nothing was an awesome event. I try to imagine what the angels thought when matter, the universe, flashed into existence at the word of God. Never had imagined such a thing. And there it was. The fall was an awful event that shook creation. The exodus was an amazing display of power and love. The giving of the law, the wandering in the wilderness, the conquest of Canaan, the rise of the monarchy, the prophetic word. Great demonstrations of the power of God along the river of redemptive history. But don't align Christmas on the same continuum with those great events. We trivialize the incarnation if we make it just another stage along the way to the end. It is the end of redemptive history. And I think the analogy of the river helps us see how. Picture this for me. If if you're familiar with the Mississippi River all the way to the Gulf, put the Mississippi in your mind. If you want to use another river... Do that picture redemptive history now flowing from creation right on through as a river and picture the ocean into which it is flowing as the final kingdom of God, eternal, glorious beyond all description. At the mouth of this river, at the end of the river, the ocean presses back with its salt water a ways up into the river. I've always wondered what kind of fish live in this no man's land where the fresh water and the salt water are mingling, where the river meets the ocean. Therefore, at the mouth of the river, there's a a mingling of fresh water and salt water. And one might say that the kingdom has has pressed its way back up into the stream of history a short way. It has surprised the travelers on that river very, very much. They can taste it if they put their dipper down into the water. They can smell it. They can see the seagulls circling the deck. The end has come upon them even though they're still on the river. Christmas is not just another bend in that river. Christmas is the arrival of the salt water of the kingdom back up into the river for a ways and that salt water is beckoning us welcoming us alluring us on out into the deep Christmas is not just another great bend in the river it is the end of the river let down your dipper taste Jesus Christ taste his birth his life his death his resurrection has not the age to come fallen upon us has not the kingdom arrived do you not taste the powers of the age to come I think those who can taste it lift up their eyes and they see a big blue bow on the horizon between sky and ocean and they are hankering and longing To go on out of the delta and the mouth of the river into the ocean.
0: Amazing. That's a huge perspective of Christmas in light of history, the end of history. That clip was taken from John Piper's sermon on December 20th, 1981, titled Christmas as the end of history 40 years ago. Piper was just 35 years old. This clip is older than Piper was when he preached it. That's funny. Well, 40 years later, that preacher is 75 years old now, and I'm going to ask Pastor John uh, about what makes Christmas precious to him all these decades later. I'll ask him that on Christmas Eve when we return on Friday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke, and we will see you back here next time for that. Thanks for listening.